How many of you appreciate our praise and worship team? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Felt like I was in World Harvest Church this morning. Praise God. Amen. You know, the book of Genesis tells us, how many of you know, that God made us in his image after his likeness, right? Praise the Lord. And he said he formed the, he formed the man from out of the ground, right? He formed the man from out of the ground. Amen. How, you, how many of you know the man was not complete yet? God had to breathe in his nostril the breath of life. An essence of himself into man himself. He breathed, or we can say uh, the, the Greek word is pneuma or rauch is the Hebrew. He breathed the breath of life into this form, and this form became man or a living spirit. Amen. The very breath of God made this man alive, right? A living spirit. You know, the Psalms, the book of Psalms says that, that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. How many of you know the only qualification you need to give God praise is breath? And if you have breath, which God breathed into you, the breath of life within you, that breath belongs to Him. Amen. Because He breathed that breath into you. The breath of life. That breath is to give Him praise. Right? To thank Him for the breath of life that He has given to us. So every time you praise God, remember that. God, I've got breath to praise you. Amen. Amen. And when your life is said and done, and your assignment has been completed here on this earth, right, not soon for none of us yet, that very breath of God goes back to Him. Amen. I've watched many people cross over, and the last thing I see is that breath. I've also seen mothers give birth, well, the, the baby receives that breath. <gasps> they breathe. It's the breath of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you got your Bible this morning, lift up your Bibles and repeat this after me. In faith. I am what it's, the Word of God says that I am. I can do what the Word says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. Therefore, I boldly confess that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to hear and receive the incorruptible, indestructible, supernatural, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Today I'm going to be transformed. Change is about to take place because my mind is going to be renewed into the mind of Christ. Therefore, I'll never be the same. I'll never think the same. In Jesus' name. And somebody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 43 to 51. Praise God. The book of John, chapter 2, verses 43 to 51. Well, how many of you realize that these past few days have been pretty cold, right? How many of you got your, how many of you got your wood burners going? Praise God. 
But it's nice though. Yeah, I read up, I take the cold anytime than the heat. Praise God. But anyway, I'm, I'm reading this uh, text from the Amplified Classic Translation, right? And Jesus is talking. He says, The next day Jesus desired and decided to go into Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Join me as my attendant or my disciple and follow me. Jesus is in the process of recruiting disciples. If you read the verses before, he recruits Peter and Simon, uh, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, right? And he says, uh, you will no longer be fishermen's, fishermen's, but you will be fishers of men, right? And he, he, he calls them into uh, to become his disciples, and he continues now with Philip. And verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, Bethsaida, which is the house of fishing. So we can say that Bethsaida was a place or port where they fished. The main industry uh, commercialized was uh, fishing, right? So now Philip was from Bethsaida of the same city Andrew and Peter were, because they were all fishermen, right? And Philip sought and found Nathaniel. Notice this. After Jesus calls Philip to follow him, Philip goes and finds a man by the name of Nathaniel. That word Nathaniel means God has given or gift of God. I like to, to look at these names. These names are almost like Hawaiian names, right? There's a, there's a meaning in their, their names, right? He was also referred as Bartholomew because if you read your Bible, sometimes you don't see the, the name Nathaniel, but you see the name Nathaniel, uh, Bartholomew. That's the same person. And told him, we have discovered the one Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote about. So Philip is excited, right? He encounters Jesus, the Messiah, the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets wrote about. He's here. I spoke with him. I met with him. So he's excited, right? Shouldn't we be excited as well? With our relationship with Jesus Christ and tell others, hey, what? You know what? I met Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. Amen. Jesus from Nazareth, the legal son of Joseph, in the natural. Verse 46, Nathanael answered him, Nazareth, another translation says he sarcastically sneered, Nazareth, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? There was kind of like a sneering or a kind of like a sarcastic when he, he heard that Jesus was from Nazareth. Kind of like me saying, um, you from Happy Valley? <laughs> or you from Papakalo? Or you from Hawaiian Homes? Right? What he was saying is nothing good comes out from that place. That's why there was that sarcasm. You know, I would, I've often wondered, you know, I would read that and kind of like, I saw that, but really didn't dive into it. What was the whole trip about, his attitude about that, right? So let, can we um, jump into that and then we'll get into the message? Just to inform you what is going on with this sarcasm that is coming out of this man called Nathaniel. 
How many of you know when you come across a scripture and, and you know, it kind of like befuddles you, right? Don't just, just, don't just pass over it. Find out, hey, what is this all about? Right? Study it. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman not needed to be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of God. So that when you, you study it, then you can understand, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Right? But anyway, I'll, I'll save you the, 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 the hard part. Okay, the, the hard part. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, like, like you, like me, myself, I've read this many times and often thought, why did Nathaniel react in such a negative way, right? And you've wondered and I've wondered. Well, I'll, I'll explain you why. I'll tell you why. Because Nazareth, we know that, th that this is where Jesus grew up, right? He was born in Bethlehem, right? But because Herod was going to kill him, the angel of the Lord told Joseph, take the boy, and the, the Mary, and go to Nazareth, right? And he was raised in Nazareth, right? The Bible says that he would be a Nazarene. It's a fulfillment of scripture. A Nazarene is somebody who grew up in Nazareth. Was that hard? Did that go? <laughs> Was that too simple? <laughs> Nazareth was located southwest of the Sea of Galilee, which is a fishing town, which was a very small community. In fact, it was so small. Everybody say, how small, Pastor? It had about approximately about 500 people at the most. That's a small community, right? During Jesus' lifetime. And it was located north of Jerusalem, well beyond Samaria. And I'm mentioning these major cities, cities Jerusalem, Galilee, right? Uh, Samaria, there are major cities. And here you have Nazareth somewhere way out in the boondocks, apart from these major cities. Isolated by itself. The first, thought I, the first thing I thought about was uh, kind of like the town in Hana, right? How Hana used to be at one time, a very small, knit, tight community, right? Not much big buildings, no, not much hotels back then, but there, there is now. But it was a small community, isolated, beautiful. In fact, my mom was raised and born in Hana. My dad was raised and born in Kaupo. So I have a lot of families there. But it was, a, it was a beautiful small town in Kipahulu, Kipahulu site. So when Nathaniel reacted with a sarcastic sneer, can anything good or newsworthy come out of Nazareth? He was assuming that Nazareth could not produce much of anything or anyone worth, let alone the promised one, the Messiah. Yeah. That, that's what his mindset was. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one. How many of you watched the Super Bowl last Sunday? Don't raise your hands. 
the epitome of all sports, the Super Bowl, of two football teams, of different divisions, playing it out. It was a great game, right? But what's so amazing to me, and maybe to you, that there were coaches and players from a small island called Maui in a little town called Lahaina, right? That represented this island, this small island way out in the west. The oldest school west of the Rocky Mountains established in 1831 by David Marlow. And here you have representation from Lahaina. The coaches and a few players and was asked to do the coin toss before the Super Bowl. I mean, I watched that, I had tears in my eyes. Yeah. I watched while Coach Watson did the coin toss. And man, that was awesome. And it was the proudest moment for them and for all of us from Maui and for the people of Lahaina. And it's to remind us or to remind them. And you know what? I don't know. Millions of people saw that. You had uh, companies buying time for their commercials, spending millions of dollars a minute to put their commercials on the Super Bowl. And here, God makes a free uh, opportunity for these people from Maui in Lahaina to be seen and not to be silent, to hear their voices, to remember them, amen, and to display them from a little island called Maui, from a town in Lahaina. Tell me God cannot do supernatural things. Amen. And by the way, the only school in Hawaii with a Hawaiian alma mater. All Hawaiian. Okamalu. Uluolele. You know, I had a good friend, a brother in Christ. He graduated from uh, Kamehameha School. A wonderful school as well. A lot of traditions, just as Lahaina Luna. And sometimes, you know, we'd brag on our schools. Which rightfully so, because we're proud of our school. But you know where I always got him? Where you drop the mic? Our school is the only school that has a Hawaiian alma mater. You guys don't. I drop the mic moment. Not in, you know, not in a bad way, but in a fun way I'll do that. And he said, ah, you always get me there. So bless his heart, Philip doesn't get into a debate or an argument with Nathaniel. But he says to Nathaniel, you know what? Come and see for yourself. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said concerning him, See, here is an Israelite, indeed a true, true descendant of Jacob, in whom there is no guile, no deceit, no falsehood, no du duplicity. That word duplicity means fraud, hypocrisy, or a wear of a mask. Jesus was actually saying, this is the real deal. 
In verse 48, Nathanael said to Jesus, how do you know me? How is it that you know these things about me? Jesus was operating in word of knowledge. He saw Nathanael way before he actually met him. And Jesus answered, before ever Philip called you, when you were still under the fig tree, I saw you. Yeah, I saw you. I already saw you. And Nathaniel answered, teacher, rabbi. Notice his, his, whole, uh, his, whole, his whole mindset begins to change. Because now he has an encounter with the Messiah. The one, does anything good come out from Nazareth? And notice what he said, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Amen. How many of you know just one encounter with Jesus can change the way that you think, your perspective? Right? In verse 50, Jesus replied, Because I said I saw you beneath the fig tree, do you believe in and rely on and trust in me? You shall see greater things than this. Then he said to him, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you all, you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending and coming down upon the Son of Man. And, and Jesus is quoted in Genesis 28 uh, verse 12 and Daniel 7 verse uh, 13. You shall see angels, the heaven will open and you see angels of God ascending. I always had this idea or this concept that angels would descend and ascend. No, he says they're ascending and descending. So it tells me that there's angels here on the earth that roam and live amongst us waiting for you as an heir of salvation to put them to work. They're ascending and descending. Yes, there's angels. There's millions, there are billions of God's angels. But there's angels that walk amongst us without us even knowing. Right? Peter tells us, be careful, you might be entertaining angels. Yeah. In fact, to go off script, I remember um, a couple years, I have, a man, I have a man's wallet. If you've never seen a man's wallet, it's not a normal wallet you put in your pocket. It's kind of like a pouch you carry. And uh, Pastor Carol and I had rented a, um, a, a cubicle truck. I know one time you helped us, yeah, Baba. You helped us move, right? I think it was that time. And um, yeah, Baba helped us move my daughter from Honokawai to uh, Maui Lani. And then, um, did I thank you for your help that day? Again, <laughs> okay, all right. If I did, I want to say thank you. <laughs> did we buy you lunch? We paid you, right? Okay, I'll just, just make you sure. Yeah, I don't want power burn. Oh yeah, Pastor Herman. Yeah, he used me. Yeah, he he called me, he used me, and then. This. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think we took Baba home, and then uh, we went to get my truck and return the the rental back from where we rented it. And in the course of me getting out of my truck, I accidentally, without realizing, I dropped my wallet on the road. And then I went in, dropped off the key, came back, and left. We went to a store. Right after that, 
And I went to look for my, my man's wallet. I said, I can't find it. And Pastor Carol says, what's wrong? I can't find my wallet. She says, you check everywhere? I says, yeah, I think I dropped it. So we backtracked, went back. It, was, it wasn't there. Went to the Napa next door, asked. It wasn't there. So all of a sudden, you know, that, that spirit of fear comes because you got everything in there. Your credit cards, your license, everything. And all I says is, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I release your angel to find my wallet. You know where it is. Find my wallet and hold it. Secure it and hold it. And that's all I said. And I started calling different places, banks, to, ready to start um, canceling these credit cards that I had. And something is, the Holy Spirit inside says, go to your bank. Instead of calling them, just go to your bank and have it done at the counter. So from the place where we re returned the truck, went to uh, American Savings in Kaului. Pastor Carol was in the truck. I went inside, stood in line. And the clerk to my left made, made a motion to come. So I walked to her. As I walked to her, I didn't... I noticed a gentleman just left the counter. He just left and I came. And when I came, I saw my wallet sitting there. <laughs> and she's, I look, hey, that's my wallet. I told her. She says, I don't know. The guy just brought him. The guy, and I, I didn't even see the guy. He said, the guy just brought him. I says, if you look inside, you'll see my license. She opens it, sure enough, there's my license. And my wallet is sitting right there. In fact, what is amazing is the guy looked just like you who brought it back. <laughs> my angel. Now from where we lost it is almost two and a half miles to where the bank is. Don't tell me I don't believe in angels. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to throw that in. But this morning, uh, I want to entitle this message, Get Real. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, Get Real. Just get real. Just get real. Christian author A.W. Tozer, he writes, he writes this. A real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for the one he's never seen, talks every day with someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on virtues of another, empties himself in order to be full, he admits he's wrong so he can be declared he is right, he goes down before in order to go up, he's the strongest when he's the weakest, he's the richest when he's the poorest, the happiest when he feels the worst, he dies so he can live, forsake in order to have, gives away so he can keep. He's invisible. He hears the inaudible and knows the peace that surpasses all knowledge of understanding. How many of you know that's the real deal? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever noticed when you purchase something, whether with a big bill, such as a 50 or $100 bill, you notice that the cashier will always bring out a marker and write in front of you, mark it, right? They want to see if that's a counterfeit, if it's real. And based on that ink that they put on, if it's light, it's real. If it's dark, it's a counterfeit. 
I've often wondered, wow, what if I had a counterfeit? What would, what would the whole scenario play out, right? You're arrested. <laughs> <laughs> now, they probably take them back and say, you know what, this is worth nothing. But anyway, they're checking the bill for its authenticity. They want to make sure if it's real or if it's a counterfeit, right? So we know that a counterfeit is an imitation of the real deal, the real thing, a fake, amen. And I know there's counterfeit money. We know there's counterfeit money. There's counterfeit jewelry, right? You ever bought a counterfeit jewelry? <laughs> don't raise your hands, all right? I don't want to know. There's counterfeit name brand clothes, right? People trying to make a quick buck, trying to sell you something that is counterfeit, trying to impose and make it seem like it's real, right? How many of you know if it's, re- it's, if it's too good to be true, it's not? In the world system. But with God's system, it's a whole different deal. Yeah. If God says something, then it's real. It's a true deal. Because we can trust God. Now, if, all, if there's all these different counterfeits, how many of you know there can be counterfeit religions? We call them cults. Right? Yeah. But not in this church. Everybody said, not in this church. But how many, how many of you know there, there can be counterfeit Christians? Not, not here, though. But there are some. Yeah. All you got to do is watch the TV. Everybody's a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But when you look at their lives and how it plays out, it's really a big discrepancy of how they live in their lives and the things that they're saying. I remember years ago, I worked at a place in Westside. And um, I was down at the, a base, a work base, and um, I was work, uh, working on some golf carts. And uh, there was this lady that drove down on a Jeep. And was, what was unusual was she came out with a, with a notepad. And, and she, was, she was doing like she was doing an inspection. And usually I know when there's inspections, you know. Because, you know, I'm the supervisor. But she's walking around doing inspections. She's looking at all our nursery, you know, with a pen. And I just pol- politely goes up, go, go up to her and I say, hey, um, can I ask you what you're doing? She said, oh, I'm just looking around and looking at all the plants and, you know, just writing down some things. I go, okay, that's cool. But what I noticed about her is she had a, I might have shared this before, she had a, she had a shirt that says, I love Jesus. So I thought, okay, this is a Christian. Perfect. She's wearing a Christian shirt, says, I love Jesus. And I'm thinking, I love Jesus too. But when I'm conversing with her, her, her language is not lining up with what her t-shirt is saying. There's a lot of vulgarity that's coming out of her mouth. A lot of junk that's coming out of her mouth. And I'm like, I'm amazed. And I'm like, wow, right? Especially hearing that kind of language coming out of a female's mouth. So um, it was kind of like a turnoff. So I started walking away. But I, I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I had to say something. And I turned around and I said, uh, excuse me. You shouldn't be wearing that shirt. 
and I walked away. Talk about manifestation. Most of us came out. And I'm thinking, there you go. God, you want me to cast out the devil? And man, she was just upset. I mean, words came out of her mouth. Intense. And I was just like, praise the Lord, you know. It's not bothering me. So she jumped. Jumps on a jeep, she burns out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Real Christian like. Wearing her I love Jesus shirt. Amen. But you know, half an hour later she comes back. I go, oh no. She said, you know what, I just want to come and apologize. I just want to apologize for the way I acted and the way I responded. I say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm good. But thank you for coming back and apologizing to me. Amen. You know, I know uh, the Bible says that we are not to judge unless we ourselves judge ourselves before God. Because we be judged by Him. Right? But how many of you know we can be fruit inspectors? I said, how many of you know we can be fruit inspectors? Right? We can be fruit inspectors. Jesus said you know them by their what? By their fruit. By their traits. By their characteristics. Right? Their Christ-like traits. Their personalities of Jesus. Amen. And notice uh, in Scripture, uh, let's see where I'm. Notice in verse 40, 47, Jesus said, Here's an Israelite, a true descendant of Jacob, in whom there is no guile, as I said, which, is, which means no deceit, no fakery, no facades, no subtlety. He's the real deal. The NIV translation said, in whom there is no deceit, dishonesty, or trickery. The New Living Translation says, a genuine son of Israel, a man complete, complete integrity, or the word integrity can mean uprightness. Amen. Everybody say integrity. integrity. Uprightness. Uprightness. Integrity is an interesting word. Why is it interesting, Pastor? Well, everybody wants it. Everybody ought to have it. And in the times that we're living in, it's definitely needed. Amen. A lot of folks claim they have it, but it only turns out they don't really have much of it as they lead us to believe that they do. All you got to do is watch the evening news, go on Maui News Now, Right? See the politicians, the government leaders, the news journalists, business leaders, professors, doctors, judges, all the folks you expected to be full of integrity, uprightness, right? But sadly, we see the opposite. 
that most don't have much integrity after all. To them, it's just a buzzword. It's just a buzzword. Nathaniel was a man of integrity, uprightness. And that's what Jesus saw in him. Integrity is defined faithful, trustworthy, sincerity of heart and intentions. Listen, if we cannot make and keep our commitments to ourselves as well to God and to others, then our commitments are meaningless. You see, we cannot leave as leaders. We're all leaders, right? We're all ministers of God. If we cannot lead others until we lead ourselves first through a struggle that has opposing values, that is opposing us, we have our moral values of the Word of God, and there's opposite values that are opposing us, challenges, right? We cannot lead others until we first lead ourselves through the struggle that has opposing values. Amen. You see, Daniel was an integral man of God, a man of prayer, right? Living in a Babylonian, Babylonian worldly system. They were taken out of their home country, exiles out of Israel, and taken captive into Babylonian, which was a type of the worldly system. And the one only thing that these jealous naysayers could find on Daniel, amen, was an attempt to use his committed prayer life against him. That's all they could find. Because he was an upright, integral person. And all they could find was this man was a man of prayer. So they used his prayer against him, his commitment to God against him. Which they knew he would not compromise. Amen. You see, most leaders without integrity are putting on an act. Their believability and credibility is so essential for leadership. Let me, let me repeat that. Our believability and credibility is so essential for leadership. Because it's earned when one's behavior is consistent with our beliefs. You see, Daniel had real backbone. Did he buckle? I said, did he buckle? Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or oregano, Italian, (laughs) give in, bend, bow, when the music played? No. Did Daniel compromise his Judeo-Christian values, his faith, his beliefs, to some man-made mandate which got him arrested and thrown in prison? Not at all. Daniel did what he habitually did every single day. Despite of the mandate that was, was written against him, that he was targeted with. He'd open the curtains, face towards the east, and he would pray. And he would do that three times a day, habitually. Why? Because he was the real deal. Yeah, he was the real deal. Amen. 
And we know how the story ends, right? Why? Because his personal integrity was essential to believability. He was integral. He was trustworthy. He was blameless. He was sincere of heart and intention to his God, to his king, and especially to those who wrongfully accused him unjustly. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. He was a powerful man of prayer because he believed in God who hears and answers prayer. Prayer in itself is powerless. We ought to pray as people of God, but we have to also understand the other equation. The God that we're praying to is where the power comes from. Prayer in itself does not do anything unless you understand that the God that you're praying to hears your prayers and He responds to your prayers of faith. But the effect of righteous prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. So you have to believe that God hears my prayers, but He also answers. Amen. And it takes faith. It takes faith. Hebrews 11, 6. For without faith it is impossible to please Him. We all have faith. We all have the measure of faith. Right? Romans 12, verse 3. It says, God has given to every man the measure. The measure of God's faith is in you. But that measure doesn't have to remain that same measure. When you exercise your faith and use it daily on a daily basis, your, your faith begins to increase. Just like your, a muscle, right? You go to the gym, the more you exercise, the stronger and the bigger your muscles get. Same like your faith. You work your faith, your, your faith will grow. You don't work your faith, your faith won't grow. Don't ever pray for, to God, God, give me more faith. Don't ever pray, God, give me more faith. No. He won't give you more faith. He tells us how to get faith. By the hearing and hearing of the word of God. Position yourself to hear my word, then you get faith. Amen. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God... Must believe. It matters what you believe. That both He is, He exists, number one. He is and He exists. And He is a rewarder, right? He cares enough of those who diligently and earnestly seek Him. Amen. God's believable and He's credible. When you seek Him with all your heart. Amen. You'll find Him. God's not giving us a promise and then when we do His word, He'll do His promise and then He hides. Psych! No. Not, not God. God's believable. God's credible. He has a great reputation. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. Amen. How many of you ever heard the old phrase, do as I say, but don't do as I do? 
Does that have believability and credibility? You see that phrase, do as I say, but don't do as I do, whether you believe it or not, is more influential and impactful than we, we think. Why? Because it demonstrates and displays a negative act or behavior not to do or to copy. Yet sadly, it's being played out. What does that song kids sing? Be careful little eyes of what you see. Be careful little ears of what you hear. Be careful little feet of where you go. For your father up above is looking down with love. Or be careful little ones where you go. Amen. So the point I'm, I'm making is, so a person's words can be saying one thing, but their actions are completely saying the opposite. So what you're saying, Pastor, there's a disconnect, a discrepancy of words and of action. Amen. So personal integrity is essential to believability. You see, the real problem with Christianity is not atheism, nor is it skepticism. But it's with the non-witnessing Christian who's trying to secretly smuggle his or her soul into heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. Get real. Is it too real this morning? The Bible says that David was a man known after God's own heart. What does that mean? He was integral. He was trustworthy. Sincere of heart and intention. Amen. His motives was right. He wasn't asking God, God, if I seek you, then I want this. No. His whole focus was on God. God, I, wanna, I, wanna, uh, I one thing I desire. One thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What he was saying was, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be in your presence. That's all he was saying. Proverbs 10, verse 9 says, He or she that walketh in integrity or uprightly, walks surely, or we can say walks securely, or walks confidently. You see, the, the integral, the upright in heart, they are secure, they are confident, and they are Fearless. And Jesus knew that about Nathaniel. The Good News translation says there's nothing false in him. The Good Word translation said an Israelite who is sincere. Amen. Amen. Are you sincere in your conversations? Hey, Clyde, how you doing? Long time to see. We should do lunch tomorrow. We say things like that. But are we sincere? Hey, Alda, Jaime. I heard you was going through something. I'm praying for you. Are we sincere? And then we go back home. Oh, I forgot to pray for Elder Jaime. 
We say things, but are we sincere? Do we follow through? The Passion Translation says, A true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motives. Somebody said, get real. Nathaniel was integral, upright. He lived righteously with nothing to hide. And you know, Jesus himself saw that. He testified to the reality of his genuineness of this man's character. Amen. How many of you know, right? How many of you know Jesus wants to stamp his approval on your life of being genuine and integral? I do. Nathaniel's response was predictable. In verse 48, he says, how, he's talking to Jesus, how do you know me? From where do you know me? And Jesus answered him and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. See, figs, figs at that time in Israel was one of the, the major uh, commercial products that they, they used and they sold. Right? Olive trees. Fig trees and olive trees. Right? Those were their major commodities, figs and olives. And a lot of the times, um, these men, they would stand under the fig tree or even under the olive trees. And they would, they would stand under there and they would use that shade to communicate and pray to God, to meditate and pray with God under the tree. Instead of watching all the uh, Pharisees who were on the street broadcasting their prayer life, these guys secretly would spend time with the Lord under the fig tree in fellowship and relationship with Him. So when Nathaniel was praying to the Lord in his prayer closet under the fig tree, Jesus was in his prayer closet listening. And that's when he saw, that's when he saw Nathaniel in his prayer closet. See, your prayer closet can be anywhere. Amen. When I drove, drove to Kapalua, my prayer closet was in my truck. One hour going and an hour back, that was my prayer closet for, for I don't know, 20, 22 years. So every time I saw somebody hitchhiking, I would always debate, should I pick him up or give up my time with the Lord in my prayer closet? Because I coveted that time in my prayer closet. This was my personal time. So your prayer closet can be anywhere. In fact, when Jesus met the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, right? He was, him and his disciples were going to um, Sycamore. That was in Samaria. Now you have to understand Samaria. The Jews, right? There was this whole conflict between the Jews and Samaritans. Because the, Jew, the, Jew, the Jewish people, they looked down on Samaritans. Because they called them, these are the guys who slept with the enemy when they were in Babylon. The Jews that slept with the enemy and they, they produced half-breeds, half-Jews and whatever. So the real Jews looked down at these people. A lot of the times the Jews would go to a particular place, they would avoid from going into Samaria and make 
a beeline around, even though it was inconvenience, they did not want to go through Samaria. But Jesus, you know, he, he always lives, he lived his life on purpose and in purpose. Right? That's how he lived his life. And that's how we need to live our lives. In purpose and always on purpose for God's purpose. So he chose to go into Samaria because he knew that there was going to be a woman at the well. And she needed an encounter with Jesus, him. So he goes to the well because he's thirsty. And he sends his disciples to town to buy some food. It's, it's the noon of the day. And here comes this woman to get water from the well during the noon of the day, which is unheard of. Because the women usually come early in the morning or in the later afternoon. And they have a whole gathering of women that come together. But this woman is by herself. Right? She's all by herself for a reason. So as she comes to the well, Jesus starts, he initiates a conversation with her. And now Jesus knows the rules and the laws. He says that, you know, the law says Jewish men should not have conversation with, with women, more so with Samaritans. But Jesus, right, the Bible says that the law came to Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus. So here Jesus is operating out of grace. And truth, not the law, not the law that I cannot talk with you. I'm a Jewish man, you're a woman, we cannot talk. That's the law. But Jesus is operating in grace yes. and in truth. And he starts up, he initiates a conversation with her. And he said, give me water to drink. And the Bible says she's surprised that he's talking to her. Because she also knows. So Jesus has to humble himself to talk to her. Amen. And Jesus tells her, you know, the water I have to give, you won't thirst anymore. Yeah, this woman was thirsty. Not for natural water. But she was thirsty for the water that Jesus had. Living water. And you know, Jesus just changed the whole conversation. She's talking about something. And Jesus says, uh, isn't, it, isn't it like Jesus? You know? Nicodemus tells Jesus, uh, you know... Um, Man, the things that you're doing, man, they're, they're from God. So you must be from God. And Jesus changed the whole conversation. He says, you know, the wind blows from the east to the west, but unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He changes the whole situation because he sees the heart. He, he sees the need, what he needed. And he saw what this woman needed. And he changes the whole conversation. He says, the water that I have to drink, you won't thirst anymore. And this woman thought, wow, that would be great. Then I don't have to come here every day. I can get this water, right? 
And Jesus tells him, tells her, where's your husband? Bing. She says, I don't... In fact, Jesus says, the man you're living with is not your husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with is not your husband. She says, wow. I perceive you're a prophet. Yeah. So that whole dialogue starts. So this woman who came to the well as a sinner leaves the well as a saint because of her encounter with Jesus. Yeah. And you know, um, let me see where I am. I know I'm off script, but that's okay. Anybody learning something? What time is that? Really? Oh, more. Ah, time's flying. See, Jesus notices and he points out what she's guilty of, of having five husbands. And the one that she's living with is not her husband. Amen. Because the Son of God came to save and not condemn. He came to seek that was who, who was lost. And he came for this woman to remove her mask of shame. Yeah. To remove the mask that she wore of shame from her life. Of the, the past failed marriages. And the person now she's living with. And that's why she goes by the well by herself. With nobody there. Because she's embarrassed. She's living in shame. Amen. Guilt is when we feel badly about something we've done or not done. Shame is different. Shame is when we feel badly about who we are. Yeah. Jesus removed the mask of the rich young ruler to reveal a man who is bound by greed. Amen. Jesus removed the mask from the Pharisees and revealed a lifeless form of religion. Amen. You see, Jesus sees people as they really are, just like he saw Nathaniel. He sees us as we really are. And Jesus sees beyond the mass that we present to others and that we present to ourselves. And what happens is there's two crucial mistakes that people make by living behind masks. They actually start to believe themselves about the mask that they're wearing. Secondly, other people start to believe them as well. That's why when Jesus came to Nathaniel, he had no mask on. 
This is the real deal. In fact, if you look up the word hypocrisy, it means aware of all masks. Aware of masks. And Jesus didn't see any mask on Nathaniel. This was the real deal. So as I said, Jesus removed the mask of the rich young ruler to reveal a man who was bound by his greed. You can find that account in Mark chapter 10. This rich young man, he approaches the Lord, right? And he asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He comes to Jesus. And he initiates the dialogue with Jesus. And he tells Jesus, how can I inherit eternal life? Not realizing that abundant, eternal, everlasting life himself is standing right in front of him. Amen. And Jesus says, have you kept the commandments? Which he claims, I have since I was young. Then Jesus challenges him, just like he challenges us. Right? He says, there's one thing you lack. Everybody say, one thing. one thing. He says, one thing you lack. What Jesus was implying was, this man was a rich young ruler. And what Jesus was implying is, in the natural, you possess everything that your money can provide for you. But your money, your wealth, cannot buy eternal life, of which you're seeking for, and it can't be bought. How many of you know God doesn't mind us having things as long as things don't have control of us? And apparently his wealth, his greed, had control of him. How The Bible says, what shall a man profit that he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Apparently this man wanted to inherit life, right? He wanted life, eternal life. But because of his wealth, of his greed for his wealth, he went away sad. Jesus removed the mask from him. Yeah. And that's what Jesus does. Amen. He wants us to be the real deal. Made in his image after his likeness. That's how he originally... That's how he originally created and designed us. And if you look at that whole account of the, 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 the treason of Adam and Eve, how they listened to the enemy, how the enemy led them and deceived them, right? The woman was deceived, Adam was not, because Adam got the information from God, yes. straight mouth from God. And he didn't relay it to, 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 to Eve, Right? But if you look at that whole scenario, you see that how fear came in, how fear originally came in. Because when God came at the cool of the day, like he always did, saying, where is my man, Adam? How many of you know God knew where he was? I mean, he could be hiding, but God, or, you know, I see you. 
and he tried to use religion to cover himself up, right? Fig trees or fig leaves. And God says, I see you. I know where you're at. How many of you know God knows where you're at right now? Yeah. Just like he saw Nathaniel. And Adam's response was, I heard you. I heard you coming. And I feared. I feared. Notice. That's the first time you hear the word fear. So you open the door to fear. When he committed treason, sin, he was free game for the enemy. He came out of that relationship with God. He came out of that covenant. Now he was all alone without God's covering. Amen. They had it made. They had it made. Anybody learning something this morning? Yeah. Let me find our landing place and we'll close this up, right? We're not even halfway there, but that's okay. How many bridges to Hannah? How many? Are you sure? No, no, I'm just kidding. 52 bridges, yeah? My granddaughter, Joy, and I, we play this game. She'll say, Papa, do you know this and this? I'll say, are you sure? she say, yes, I'm sure, Papa. You know? So I just threw that out, just plain. There is 52 bridges. So um, I think we're at 39. <laughs> but that's okay. There's so much good stuff. I'm trying to find where we can. Um, let me find. Let me close with this one, and then we'll close it up. Everybody good? Yes. Okay. And Jesus removed the mask off of the Pharisees, and he revealed a lifeless form of religion. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, reading from the New Living Translation, "What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious laws, and you Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs." Beautiful on the outside, but filled inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. 2 Timothy 3.8, the Amplified says, They hold on to a form or an outward godliness religion, although they deny its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far from them. I think the King James says, uh, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What are denying the power thereof? The, denying the power of God to change them. Right? They have a form. Yeah. Only a form. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But no substance. Yeah. Right? Some people have good form. They have good Christianese. They're fluent in Christianese. You know what I mean by Christianese, right? Yeah. yeah. As we know, Christianity is not a religion. Amen? Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a religion. Religion is man trying to get to God by their own means and resources, which will never happen. Amen? That's why Jesus came to us. Just why Jesus left his throne and he came to us here. Right? Because we couldn't go there. 
Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't come just to take us to heaven, but he came to bring us back into a right relationship with Abba Father. Jesus didn't just come to make bad people into good people, but he came to take dead people and make them alive to know who they really are in Christ. Amen. Jesus didn't come to bring us to rehab or to rehabilitate people. But he came to change hearts and transform minds. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, take off the mask. Get real. With yourself and with Jesus. Listen, all Christians are perfect in Christ. At the new birth. You got to listen now. You got to listen good. Let me say that again. All Christians are perfect in Christ. The Bible says if anyone be uh, uh, in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Right? So all Christians are perfect in Christ at the new birth. Therefore, it's so important to continue to feed on the word and continue to rely more on the, the person of the Holy Spirit to convict, to change, and to empower you, you and I, so we can work out our salvation with reverential fear and trembling. So we can perfectly live up to the standards that the Word of God teaches us. Amen. Amen. Because sometimes we'll fail in our walk with God. But that's okay. Just get back up. Repent and start walking again. Amen. Confess 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can step back up in fellowship with Him again. Amen. So He removed the mask of the Pharisees, that mask of religion. Amen. I'll just throw this out. Jesus removed the mask of the religious mobs. Was ready, about, was ready to stone the woman who was caught in adultery. Which he did. He removed their mask. Amen. My question is, where's the guy? Because if they're talking about the law of Moses, it takes two to tangle, right? But if you look at the crowd, there wasn't one woman in the crowd with stone. These were all men. I would call them all accomplice, uh, accomplice yes. to the crime. If you know what I mean. Yes. They were all accomplices to the crime. Here again, you see uh, grace and truth operating in Jesus again. The law says this, she must be stoned. But grace says, you know what? Now, if any of you standing over there, we're holding the stone. The Puaku, 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 stone. Go ahead. None of you have sinned. Go ahead, throw the first stone. You think? They all have self-righteous sin in their head. They all were guilty. Amen. One by one, they dropped the stone. Because truth spoke. 
And Grace extended his hand to this woman. And says, you know what? Where's your condemners? Where are those who condemn you? Where are those who shame you? They're not here, Lord. Neither do I. Go. That was grace. Neither do I. But truth says, now go and sin no more. Isn't that cool about Jesus? Truth and grace together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Church, it's time to get real. Get rid of the mask and be the real person that God created and designed you to be. In His image, after His likeness. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for feeding us this day the bread of life for you are the bread of life your word and for the living waters and Father we, we receive it by faith Lord you said blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled and I pray this morning that your people have been filled Lord with righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit this morning Father God I thank you Lord the way that you created us and designed us, Father, in your likeness and after your image. That we can be real, Father, with you and with others. So that we don't have to hide behind all of these different facades and masks that we wear to impress people. Or to make people think of who we are, Father. Of who we are not. So, Father, we thank you that we, become, we come before you in honesty and transparency before you. In Jesus' name, and we ask Holy Spirit that you continue to work your perfect work in our lives yeah. and to continually transform yeah. our lives more into the likeness of Jesus as we yield and us, we submit ourselves to the will and to the plan of God every single day. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you for loving us, Lord. That, Lord, as I heard one, one person say, God loves us just the way we are. But He loves us too much to keep us the same. So we thank You, Lord, that we're changing from glory to glory, from one level to the next level, from faith to faith, from grace to grace. You're stretching us, Lord. And in the stretch, Father God, for the more, Father God, there's benefits when we stretch for the more that You have for us. In Jesus' name. Stretching for the more, stretching for the next level, stretching for more of you, Lord, decreasing so you can increase in our lives. So we bless you, we love you, we honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and just worship Him. Let's just worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat>